monsters, madness, and magic. Welcome to the Monsters, Madness, and Magic podcast, everybody. I'm Jason Edwards. I'm joined today by Daniel and Angelique. We have an amazing guest for you all, the legendary, the infamous Dr. Uva Bowl. Uva, how are you and what's on your mind today? Oh, yeah, what should, what should be on my mind? We have uh, 8 p.m. in Germany. Um, and um, basically... Uh, I'm excited to be back in Germany. I was seven years in Vancouver, uh, in Canada. And this July, we made the decision to, to move back uh, to Germany because I had the feeling that uh, I can go back to movies easier here, uh, where I came from, basically, as, as in Canada. Um, Canada is, is a very good spot to shoot movies but it's a very bad spot to finance movies or to, you know, like that. It's like uh, all that movies getting done from Hollywood companies there. But um, to be in Vancouver doesn't move anything. If you are a real filmmaker in a way, you do, if you're just a hired film director, it's a different thing, but as a real filmmaker, it's better in Germany. And, and uh, I felt also with the, uh, yeah, that, that Amazon and uh, Apple and Netflix growing in Europe so, so strong uh, is, is good for me, actually, uh, to move back to movies. And I had already meetings with, with uh, uh, Netflix and Amazon, and they are very open to my proposals, what is already a very positive uh, feedback uh, from from Europe, you know, like in US, nobody talked to me, to be honest, like Ted Sarandos is too busy to wine and dine uh, Brad Pitt or whatever, you know, like, <laughs> like so they, they, they do all that big deals with the superstars. But uh, I think in Europe, they're looking more for uh, original content and interesting, uh, interesting new ideas. And so I feel I made the move at the right time. Really? That that is awesome to hear because one of my questions was uh, your Rampage trilogy and Assault on Wall Street have aged exceedingly well. You had obviously have your finger on the pulse and I was going to ask if you were given the funds to do an Assault on Wall Street too, would you do it or are you done with films? But apparently you're not done with movies and that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, you know, Assault on Wall Street, I kept it open-ended. You know, so he gets away with it, uh, similar to what happened in Rampage in, in part one and part two. Uh, a lot of people want another Rampage, but I feel a little like, okay, he is dead. You know, like, I'm not like, uh, <laughs> let, him, let him come back from the dead or some total bullshit. So I, I have to <laughs> stay true to the story. 
And uh, I think it was a very good ending uh, and, and a realistic ending. He would not get away with what he did forever. At one point, he, he would take the bullet, basically, and that is what, what happened. Um, but um, I, my, my project I want to do uh, next is uh, uh, Germany in winter is the title, but it has nothing to do with uh, the winter times. It has to do with, there was a movie almost 40 years ago, Germany in fall. And it was a movie about the, the left-wing terrorists uh, terrorizing uh, the, the Red Army fraction that killed various people in Germany. And, and uh, that movie was sympathetic to the terrorists. So it was, it was basically like, uh, maybe they kill the right people. So it was, it was a very strange thing. It was a big scandal. And I felt, let's continue with, <laughs> you know, like with my typical subject matters. And we do like, we are basically moving from fall to winter. And I showed Germany in six, seven years uh, ruled by uh, like a, a leader kind of guy, like what, what Trump wants to be or what the Putin is, you know, like <laughs> so. And um, I, I think the big uh, thing after uh, Corona in Europe is migration. And it's even way worse as in US. I mean, in US, the, the, the Mexican border is basically the only real threat, let's face it. But, but uh, in Africa, you have like 10 million of them every year want to go to Europe and they're landing in France and Spain and Italy and Greece and Turkey. And from my, my oh, I have my, I have to close my mail program, otherwise it makes stupid noises. So, and, um, you know, I, I, as a German, I know our backstory, our history. And uh, I know also that a lot of Germans deep inside are still racist. And, uh, you know, and so Merkel took 1.1 million migrants uh, in what is unbelievable high, like higher as any other country uh, did. And um, then the right corner party in Germany growed already. And I see a threat, like if that happens again, that they maybe gain so much political power that they rule, right? So as soon as they rule, uh, they will like drive over the refugee boats, you know? And that is my movie showing, like what is if they are back in power, if they rule and like what will actually happen to the, to the migrants, asylum seekers. It's a very brutal, uh, thriller and I, my lead actors are both basically right corner people who, uh, uh, who want, who wanted to kill them, you know, are so you? it's a very disturbing thing. I'm not sure if I get the financing together for it because I don't show good people in it. I just <laughs> show the mob basically, you know, and, uh, and I, but, but I think in times we live now, there is no more time for mediocre bullshit. Like, so you have to be a radical. Uh, what I think I did with, with Rampage and, and with Dafour and so on, I, I give it to the people straight in the face, basically. And for me, it's this kind of like, look, that is what can happen if you don't stop them in the tracks. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and for migration, only to finish the subject matter about migration, of course, the key is, including the US for Latin America, you need to help the people where they live. If you only give some like bullshit 
uh, Red Cross funding to Africa, they will still all want to live in Europe, right? So you need to spend billions and billions and billions of dollars in Latin America to El Salvador, Nicaragua, Venezuela. You have to give them uh, hope and you have to give them infrastructure. Then they stay there. But, but if you don't, and, and uh, um, I mean, the U.S. never really did, and, and uh, Europe did only colonies in the beginning where they just owned all that countries, and then they gave the country back to them, but they never did real repair payments. You know, it's not like, uh, oh, yeah, we plundered out your country. Uh, here are 100 billion bucks. It was like, yeah, we plundered out your country, and here's a nice new well, <laughs> and in one whatever like a, like an elementary school and good luck with the rest so it's it, it it's bullshit and it will come back like a like a boomerang you know it's right. like uh, uh and that is the thing and i uh based on my upbringing uh, i mean i i boxed 14 years i have really deep contacts to German racists and to German right-wing people and to German like people that are uh, uh, not conform with the, with the government the way I grew up with, right? So, and uh, I don't want them in power. You know, there is like the, uh, I think what we hopefully have, like this empathy uh, is, is short, you know? So mm -hmm. it, it, that is the thing. It's, it's like, um, yeah, very dangerous. And I hope we will not move in, in a direction like this. So this, uh, the way you talk about your film, like it sounds like you've got it planned and everything. I mean, have you already done, have you already filmed it or are you just, or are you just waiting for the right financing and then ready to hit the ground running? Yes, I wrote the script. So I have the script and uh, I, I wrote it also in German. I, I want to shoot in German with German actors because it's a German thing, right? And I think mm -hmm. now in times with like the German show Dark and stuff like this, uh, on yeah. Netflix, I think people now in US also are more willing to watch things with subtitles as mm -hmm. 10 years ago or 15 years ago. And that is also thanks to the streamers. I think right. they, they money heist. If you watch like money heist on Netflix in Spanish with English subtitles, it's way better as the mm -hmm. English dubbing. And I think yeah. that it has to be the key to, to see things or, or, or Babylon Berlin from Germany and stuff like this. It's way better in the original language with, with subtitles. And I think that the audience for this grows. And so I hope for my uh, Germany in winter film. Uh, um, in, in Germany, I had already like meetings with German TV, but they were very, very uh, like, they really <laughs> liked the idea, but they said we cannot do this because it will be like, uh, like NC-17 content, right. uh, you know, they, they're scared for TV to do it. That is the reason that I think that, that Netflix would be the best uh, option, you know, or, I mean, that is the problem with the independent film companies like Fox Searchlight and all that companies, they don't really exist anymore. Right. Well, you know, they don't... It, it's a big problem. It's like they're, they're not functioning anymore. Have you uh, ever thought about doing, because you mentioned it yourself, like you're into films and stuff. Now, I like your, you have what, I don't know a better way to put it other than just quick burst entertainment. And it's, some people are good at that. Sometimes I don't want to sit and watch a 16 episode long drawn out series and get to know these characters and expositions. 
I don't care. Sometimes I just want to see a bunch of people run around shooting people for an hour and a half and enjoy it. But I was curious, have you ever thought about doing a TV series or a long form narrative like that? Because that is like the way to go, it seems now. That's what Netflix and Amazon are interested in. Have you ever thought about doing that, pursuing a series format? Uh, yes, um, and it, but, but not on that specific film, right? Mm -hmm. I, I thought about it, but, but uh, for example, I had an idea for a TV show um, episodically uh, with the title like 2050, what basically show uh, in all like different countries, Brazil, South Africa, America, to, to see how we're living then what happened till then. And, and of course you have to guess a lot, you know, it's like, uh, mm -hmm. yes, you have to estimate what happened with the, with the global warming. You have to estimate what happened with migration. You have to estimate what happened with the political landscape at that point. And you will see 2050, I think some countries are in catastrophic disastrous shit and some countries almost are the same like now. Um, so I, I want to do a, a, a realistic thing, but, but with actors and not a documentary, like more like a drama, I think it would be a cool, cool subject matter. And, uh, and then I have something, what is actually, maybe never saw but I get the books. Wait, one second. <laughs> there is in, uh, in Germany, uh, a very cool comic books and not released anywhere, but it's, uh, that is Hauptmann fight, and it plays in the in the 1500. Oh, oh I'm on the thing. In the 1500, uh, um, when what? the Reformation happened. Yeah. You know, and it's like it's very very gothic uh, uh, comics. I really like them, and I got the rights for them. No and way. A good like. Oh, Not Game of Thrones, but it would be more like like Braveheart kind of thing. Um, and it's the interesting thing for me with that comics is that you can say 80% of the things happening there, they happen in real. And they, they basically uh, uh, have only the fictional Hauptmann fight, like the colonel fight is a fictional character. So the main guy, but it's a revenge story was like, to basically brother friends turning into uh, enemies. But it all plays when Martin Luther wanted to split up from the Catholic Church. Right. And at that point at 1520, there was the most bloody war uh, on almost European ground everywhere, in, also in Germany, where the farmers rebelled against the royals. Like a very early attempt to a French revolution. Mm -hmm. But the farmers were wiped out, so they were killed, basically, and the Pope and the royals, they won. And uh, Martin Luther uh, switched sides in between because mm -hmm. he felt like, oh, my God, I'm losing. And then he basically kissed the ass of the Pope, but they allowed a reformation process to happen, basically, so that you have more... Uh, the other side of the, uh, the split up from the Catholic Church. And I think it's a very interesting thing where not a lot of people know about. You know, Nobody's so, done that. You need to, dude, you need to make that. Yeah, I think that would be a great, like, 10 episodes, 12 episodes, uh, and you can go in, in more seasons even with it, uh, because you can continue. It's, you know, like, it's, it's like mm -hmm. uh, an interesting uh, time where uh, also then, like, when America just got 
got uh, like Columbus just came to America and you can spread that out in a total world in a way uh, um, that, that he maybe goes over to America in the second season. You know, that he leaves because he's now a vigilante, like a Robin Hood kind of guy. They lost the war. They were fighting for 12 episodes. And then he goes to America and uh, um, whatever, tur turns into a Wild West kind of a second season or something. <laughs> but, but, uh, you, you know, I don't know, but, but I think it would be great. You know, I, that, that is a, a, a thing. I love that comics for a long time. And uh, I really like it that, that, he, that the writer who actually recently died, what is very bad actually, uh, but uh, he wrote down all the, the future ideas basically so we can yeah. still access his, his, his mindset. And uh, that would be a great uh, episodically TV, TV show. Yeah, yeah, it would. I guess I had mentioned yeah, before, I'm like, that's never been really explored. Yeah, and you got like with shows like The Last Kingdom that aren't coming back, which because I love that show, and yeah. just you always need like a good fantasy epic, you know, like one of those historically almost accurate, just really cool historical drama things. Dude, that one would work because yeah, I, I don't know enough about that period from the European perspective. So that's yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Now. uh the project you were talking about before this, the German Winter Project, you said you had a script written out for it. Um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't Tunnel Rats and Rampage almost entirely improvised? Yeah, so what they were shot was a treatment. Okay. And, uh, uh, like, so I wrote down 15 to 20 pages, but all the dialogue was improvised. Uh, <laughs> and... and uh, I, because I wanted that the actors really going into the, the, the characters, what I think especially was Bill Williams and was Brendan Fletcher was, was perfect. And uh, when I came to Germany, I, I wrote the same thing for Deutschland im Winter, like just a treatment. But uh, my cameraman already told me that will never fly in Germany. They are totally script driven and they will never give you any money if you don't have a real script. So I basically had to write out a lot of scenes I didn't want it to write out, you know, and later when I shoot, I can still drop them. So <laughs> you know, <laughs> right now it's basically really like, I hope I can get a really proper financing together with the script. And then I work with actors. I can basically uh, uh, get them to improvise a little more, you know, so, uh, yeah. And to forget the 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 dialogue, and you know, so that is the thing. But it's the same. I, I went to a German uh, uh, acting agency, uh, and they have all the actors you know in movies, like all the actors yeah. from Dark, all the act, like they have all the German, let's say, name actors. You can they have Christoph Waltz, for example, yeah. you know, like from Tantino. So if you and she wrote me back, if you want, because I sent them only a pitch, right? So and they said if you want any actors from us, you need to send us a full script. And uh, so, but that was for me the last nail in the coffin. But, and then I started sitting down and writing the script. So you that's know. what yeah. I'm, how is it? So I'm guessing it's because it's not the only people over here. Let me start the question over. It's cool that over in Europe, the studios actually want original content because it seems that over here, like the market from Hollywood, which I mean, yeah, they, apparently they know how to sink a good ship line because look at it now. But regardless, they only go for established IP. And, you know, they want basically like the comic book properties. But 
is it like that over there and you're everywhere over there in Europe or is it mainly just Germany where they're willing to take a risk on individual con individual properties and original content like yours? No, it is, uh, um, it is basically, uh, in the, the, uh, the guy from Netflix is in Amsterdam in Holland mm -hmm. and he is from Germany, but he and a, a woman from us, they basically deciding anything what happens in Europe. Oh, okay. And uh, so they, they, I'm sure they have, uh, still contact persons in Spain and France in England, mm -hmm. but they ultimately are the people they, uh, pitch something to like Ted Sarandos basically and tell him that thing we should do in Europe and then they green light the, the budget. And uh, so that is the, 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 I got good feedback for my story pitch from, from that person in Amsterdam. He said it's very strong. Uh, so I send him the script recently now when, because I also tried with the treatment first, but it didn't, it, it, besides a good, it's strong come back if you have a script, right? So, I mean, mm -hmm. and he said also, uh, if you have actors, even better. That is the reason I went to, the, to that acting agency, you know? But what I saw right away, and that is the difference, right? It's like, if you send something to CIA or William Morris and you want an actor, they don't even consider it if you don't put money on the table, right? You have to say whatever, I shoot in March, I pay this guy 2 million bucks, uh, and I put the money in escrow, like, so, uh -huh. and it's impossible. I mean, how you want to right. make a movie like this, right? So, uh, only if you're like a billionaire, you can do it, but, but otherwise, um, and then, but in Germany, the agencies are more open to read things. And if the actor likes it, they know the actor can bring the financing, right? They know like mm -hmm. if he gets this three, four actors for Deutschland in winter, Netflix will maybe say, with that four guys, we totally do it, right? So, yeah. and that is where they play a little more ball. And, uh, um, and that is the, I think a positive, uh, a very positive uh, development, you know? So um, I, I'm, I'm very happy about like, uh, that I got a lot of feedback uh, and people even talk with me about the subject matter on the telephone, even the, the TV guys, whatever, like, you know, like in, in US, it's just like you send something, you don't hear anything. Right. Then you try to get an answer and then it's like silent. And, and you know, like that, I hate that silent treatment. I mean, uh, you know, and, and a lot of times in US, I had the feeling in the years, uh, in the last 20 years, they don't say no because they don't want to give you a no and then it turned in, turns into a hit. Right. And you can use it against that, right? And then right. you said, well, so then they prefer to just don't talk with you anymore, right? So to be completely silent and you think, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? I mean, it's <laughs> and they're also scared to lose their jobs and it's very, uh, very disturbing. It's, it's nice it's like, to hear. I'm a guy. If you if I don't like something, I say I don't like it, right? So and and and, and uh, if I like something and it flops, I still like it. It's refreshing you know? to hear you say yeah. that. That just for I thought it was just me being an ass, or you know. So the but it's just nice to hear you talk about that sort of the same way. I don't view the industry this like I didn't have your exact perspective, but it was much the same way. It just it's nice and refreshing to hear someone else say that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, no, it's, it's it, the, the biggest problem, I think, what, what happened in Hollywood also with, with uh, Apple and all that others, they just 
felt in the same trap as in earlier years that big independent companies felt. They want to make the business with the same people that are around for 20, 30 years. And they give people massive contracts and hundreds of millions. Uh, and it makes no sense. It make, it's only a good PR right. Uh, note, right? Why you, why you as a, for example, as a Netflix or Apple, give a producer 100, 200 million and you don't even know what he will do. Mm-hmm. Only to have the producer uh, connected to you. And that is a waste of money and it never ended good. I think the best product always came more or less individual projects where a producer has a great idea and that movie is what he wants to do. And then, and then the studio believes in him or, uh, you know, and they give him the financing and that movie is a specific hit. There, there is no reason to give somebody like an umbrella deal right away. You know, okay. like look at Adam Sandler and Netflix. Right? So, I'd rather not, but I, I know what you mean. <laughs> no, but, but, no, but they, gave him, they gave him whatever, a five or six picture deal. And then right. what, what happens in Adam Sandler, right? He maybe had good ideas for one movie. And then he has things like, oh my God, now every half year I have to shoot another one. So let's get Rob Schneider in a room with me and, and some others and like write the same shit over and over again we did 20 years ago. And then we try to make a movie out of it. And it's... It, it, it's uh, um, it's not good, you know? It's like a, a lot of individual movies on the streamers also uh, are, I think, failures. They're really like where you watch the movie and you think why that movie got made is a big miracle for me. And, and, they, and, and, and uh, that is the thing. I, I think on Netflix especially, the better content comes from Europe. Uh, they are good American documentary shows, right? But then you have a lot of great shows that came from Latin America, like Narcos, uh, El Chapo, like this kind of stuff uh, was, mm-hmm. was very good. You know, Ozark is very good. I, I like that. But the episodically stuff in general at Netflix, I think is way better as their movies. Mm-hmm. You know, Some are like that, yeah. Yeah, you know, I watched I agree. the Jimmy Fox movie. I watched the Charlize Theron movie. There are a lot of that movies. They they are like they're big. They have effects, whatever. But you think like after half an hour, uh, why I'm watching that? Mm-hmm. That's know, why I was not- asking you about the series because you get invested with characters and a narrative over time, and it it you know depending on the show if it catches you the right way you fall in love with it. My the biggest example I could think of that just came out of left field and surprising and yet i absolutely loved it was z nation it was the asylum and of course the asylum has a reputation so everybody laughed and ridiculed it mocked it did give it a chance and i watched it and fell in love with it but that long form style that they did it it gives you time to really enjoy the characters so i mean if, if it's a shitty story <laughs> then you're not gonna like it but you know if it's a good enough story and you get invested with the characters yeah that long form narrative works for me that's again i was kind of curious as to if you had thought about doing that yeah no i totally agree but the the problem i have is also like when you have basically like in in us you have uh, uh, hbo additional you know the showtime and then you have uh, hulu apple uh, amazon and and netflix and uh if I start a show, like, and I know it's already in season two or season three, uh, a lot of times um, I'm dedicated to it. I'm almost binge watching it, but then I miss out on other things or I lose kind of like, there are some shows, they disappear from the, 
recently added thing. Mm -hmm. And then they so they disappear out of my mind. It's like they're completely gone and I never go back to them. And then years later, I totally forgot that I never watched season two of whatever because, but it was not so engaging, right? So there are yeah. only like various shows where I have to say I'm eager to watch the next season and I really, really wait for it, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and, and, and there are also shows where you feel they drag them out too long. Right. You know? Something, and, and, yeah. Yeah, I'm happy that Ozark has the, the last season to come. I watched them all. I really loved the first season, but then uh -huh. the next two seasons were just more of the same and it, it got more unrealistic, you know? And, uh -huh. I, and I think now they should really do a bloody ending on Ozark. I mean, a realistic bloody ending. Uh, that, that would be great. And, and uh, then, then the show is okay, but some... As I said, like some, some things, they keep going and going and going and you think like, oh my God, uh, they, they have the same story basically mm -hmm. since part one. So you are, I, whether you actually, and this is funny, even if you're not, please don't take offense. I just say it because I, I love independent filmmakers, but you are like an indie champion, basically because you have an idea and you do it and just bam, all of a sudden you're able to make a movie and you just leave people in the dust and who cares if they like it or not, you're actually making the movie. So, you know, you're getting to do what you love to do, apparently. Right. So how did you get to doing this? Like, <laughs> got any words of advice for the indies out there? Because, apparently, you know, like you say, you just went over to Europe because, you you know, you have an idea and you pitch to it because nobody wants to hear your ideas in Hollywood. So you just go and do it. How the hell do you do that? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, right now, I think that the key is, uh, in, like for new independent filmmakers, I have to say, A, the market got first drastically smaller with mm -hmm. more DVD sales, basically. So it, it dissolved yeah? a whole business, what kept a lot of my movies alive. You know, like Blood Rain was not a theatrical hit or In the Name of the King was halfway okay. But the, yeah, it was actually. But they were very, very big on DVD. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they did like, like I think, uh, Alone in the Dark uh, did 20 million in DVD. House of the Dead did over 20 million. Yeah. Uh, the name of the game. So they did a lot of money in DVD. That dissolved. So now you're basically stranded with the streamers. It's, it's like, uh, so, and, and, but if you're able to deliver a great quality for less money, and that is the thing I think what got easier now was the, I bought two black magic cameras, uh, for wow. example, with the zoom and everything. I paid 10,000 bucks for that whole equipment with the Sennheiser microphone. So I basically can shoot anything in 4k or 6k, whatever I want right now with an investment of 10k. If you go back to times like tunnel rats, the, the equipment rental on a 35 millimeter movie, is 100K, mm -hmm. right? You just get the equipment to shoot a movie and then you have the lab cost and everything. Now I have like a 15 terabyte like hard drive connected to the Apple computer. And so you can do so much for yourself now, uh, very cheap. So, and I think that is the real chance for independence right now, that, that you can also shoot stuff 
and destroy it, right? So if, if you, you know, like that, that is the thing, the problem, what I have a lot, like I get a lot of contacts, young filmmakers contact me via Facebook or whatever, and then they, I should watch their movies. And I don't want to say something negative, but I have to be right. optimistic, right? I say, look, that nobody will buy this. I said, you will end up, that thing will be on YouTube. You know, like mm. you post it on YouTube and you hope, you hope for $6.50 advertising revenue because mm -hmm. that is under the level what a Netflix or iTunes or whatever, what they actually will, will buy. Um, and, and that is the reality. So, but I think the chance with all that equipment today is to, to try and error more. Like when we had film material, it was so expensive, you really had to uh, like rehearse it that before you put the camera on um, and, and you have to get the right actor. So you have to move a lot of money to get in the right position to shoot something. But, mm -hmm. but now you can shoot a lot of stuff and see how it looks and how it like, what is it the right way to go, you know? And, and um, I, I, I like the process of, of shooting stuff and maybe not using it also now with the new cameras, what I could never afford before, you know, but, but the, the prices went so drastically down uh, that I just had to buy it because <laughs> I felt like whatever I should, uh, that money is recouped on day two of Deutschland <laughs> in, in, in winter. If I use my own uh, two cameras, I, I rent them out to myself and, and get my 10 grand back in the first week of the shooting. So, um, yeah, but, but that would be my advice, you know, and, and the other... The other advice is, of course, uh, try to attach yourself to production companies as a PA, production assistant. Like you grow into the business and, mm. and, and you, you have a chance to, uh, um, to make it in a way, to have an easier way as myself uh, because I was not lucky. I come from a family with A, no money, no context to movies, and I had no uh mentor you know i i just had to declare myself director and then shoot with a buddy german fred movie my first movie 1991 uh where we said we we do something like kentucky fred movie in, in germany um and we were lucky that it got uh theaters playing it and it actually didn't bought and that that brought a bigger company um, they bought the video rights and then they gave us 150,000 bucks for the next movie to, uh, you know, they, they said, what do you want to do next? I said, I want to do a thriller about a, a dead German a politician guy, uh, Barshall, murder in Geneva. And they gave me 150,000 and say, if you can do it for 150, do it, right? So that was <laughs> my luck that I came into the business uh, like this. But, but uh, what is if German Fright movie would got no attention and would got, nobody would seen it. My career would maybe stop right there. That would be it. You know? what, uh, what made you decide to make movies? Like what was the, what did you see? You know, we, I like to ask that of any of the directors or producers that I talk with on here. I just, you know, what was it that when you saw it, it was like, man, I got to make movies. What was it that did that for you? No, it was uh, Mutinity of the Bounty. Like, really? Uh, yeah, the Marlon Brando one. But it yeah. was like, so I was in, in a small town in Germany growing up, and there was one movie theater. It was one big screen, basically. Mm -hmm. And I was allowed from my parents when I was like six or seven years old, they told me, like, if you want to see the Sunday matinees, like 10.30 Sundays, you can go. 
and they never went with me. But I watched Ben Hur, uh, Kovades, uh, Spartacus, like all mm-hmm. that stuff. I, I watched uh, on the big screen. That is how I grew up. And, and uh, uh, that is also the same, like, you know, when, when all that stuff came, the video game director overball and I got bashed and whatever. Um, I think I, my film idols are completely different as to uh, uh, Michael Bay and all that people, right? So it, right. It, it, you know, like, I, I think they, whatever they, they would say their favorite movie is, I don't know, Star Wars, I don't know. But, but uh, in my case, it was like, uh, the searchers from, you know, like John Ford stuff, Howard Hawks, uh, uh, William Wyler, uh, of course, Orson Welles. That is mm-hmm. how I grew up with film. Uh, and and um, they are still, I think, um, in the front row of the best filmmakers ever. Um, right. and, and they told stories. And it comes back to what you said, right? You, you, you like sometimes just see the movie, it's a hundred minutes and you get the story told from A to Z and there's mm-hmm. no stoppage to it. And that is how I told all my movies. Like that is how I make movies, right? I'm not like the guy for the, uh, let's say symbols, you know, mm-hmm. like this kind of like, mm-hmm. I tell a parallel world and I have like <laughs> every fairy tale, whatever. I'm the opposite to it. I'm, I, I just tell a story about real people in the real world from A to Z and that's the end. So, and, and that, that is also my strong side. And I think in, in uh, the video game based movies, I couldn't do this because they're based on like, whatever, Alone in the Dark has creatures and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So you cannot like tell uh, a straightforward story. Uh, you know, I, I would love yeah. to do Braveheart. That is my kind of movie. And in the name of the King, I think it's an okay movie. But it still has the elements and whatever, right? So, right. and, and uh, that is the thing. So I, I did basically movies there because I could get the financing for them. Yeah. You know, and then like if, you have a film, if you're a film director, you love making movies. And I would not get the financing for Rampage at that point. But I could get the financing for House of the Dead because it's based on a super famous video. Mm-hmm. So... And, and that is the thing where I think the people that criticize me for it, they have no clue how hard the industry is uh, a lot. You, you know? are and, and absolutely they, right. Yeah, you know, so it, it's easy to criticize somebody, but if, if you never had access to the film industry in a way that you know that the, the, the trigger point is the financing for everything, that everything else really doesn't matter in the end. It's the money what really matters. Right. When you came on the scene, it is unfortunate because it was just, you have a converging of a whole lot of different variables in that climate that hit it. And I am guilty of this, like, and because I'll go ahead and say, I feel like, and I'll just say it anyway, I do owe you an apology because when House of the Dead came out, I was one of those snarky shitheads. Uh, Forget what year it came out, like 2000 or 2001. 2003. 2003. So I was a 23-year-old elitist, snobby, edgelord gatekeeper. And so when it came out, yeah, it was fun and ha, ha, ha. But the problem is my generation grew up with those games. And so, like, you know, it means a whole lot, way too, it means way too much more to people than it actually should, (laughs) to people my age. So when it came out, yeah, it had, I had a lot of preconceived judgments on that movie. I watched it again 
a couple of months ago, I do a uh, a podcast review, another show where I just I'll take movies, what I call the bottom shelf. I'll go and grab them either out of the discount bin or whatever, and I'll watch it. Yeah. And I watched House of the Dead again, and dude, that movie holds up like really well. Watching it again after clearing my palate and just you know sit down, let me shut my mouth, and just watch a movie about shooting zombies, and let's see if how could I not like it? And you know what? I enjoyed the hell out of it. <laughs> I wanted to ask, when you make making these films out of video games, that cannot be easy. As you just said, it's tough. I mean, were they really strict about how you were supposed to film it, or was it just, I'm going to make House of the Dead, and as long as you hit these bullet points, it's a safe payday? Was that, how, what was that like? How strict was it when you were making like House of the Dead or Alone in the Dark? I mean, any movie had a different, uh, uh, like, backstory, right? So Mindfire Entertainment, Mark Altman, he came to me with the script, with the rights, approved by Zega. He said, that script is approved by Zega. Whoa, so, really? So, yeah, yeah. And, and the Zega people from Japan came to the set, too. They were on the set. And so I could not, like, massively change anything, basically, right? So I, what, what I changed was a little like I, for example, that big battle in front of the house. Yeah, the I best part. I brought a matrix set up. I brought like, that was a turntable with a camera running 120 kilometers an hour. So I brought all the technical tools to make the, the scenes different as they were written. Because I really wanted to, uh, at, in that specific scene, I wanted that overdrive killing. Where everybody yeah. is on auto mood, exactly how you are in the game. And you just shoot and shoot and shoot and depending what gun you have, the pump gun or whatsoever. So, and um, that was a thing also like um, what, what I didn't get was that they flipped completely out when I used some video game footage in it, you know, like I got like totally, they, the, the fans lost it on me. How could you use? I was okay with it. <laughs> I thought yeah, it was kind of cool. Was, you know, there was so much stuff where I got criticized where like five years later, everybody did the same thing and nobody could <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, but that, ain't that how life is, man? <laughs> ain't that some shit? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's really like this, where, where you feel like, okay, I did it, so I'm the biggest gangster in history, but as soon as other people do it, it's like, uh, uh, eclectic taste, positive, uh, and, and gets like, <laughs> like this. And then by Alone in the Dark, I got really uh, let down by Atari. Uh, there was Infograms bought Atari, right? So they were uh -huh. like, busy. and they were in Los Angeles and had a, day, a game developed, a new nightmare, like was the, the older game, and then a new game, what was similar to the movie. And that got all canceled and like, evaporized, basically, during the shoot that closed down the LA offices. Oh, uh, no. Eddie, Eddie Irvin was the guy who did it for, for them. And then, and then he got fired, but whatever, he was not there anymore. So I had no real Alone in the Dark movie based on the game. I, I did not know title. that. No, I had the title in Edward Canby, but the game disappeared. And now Holy somebody shit. said, what the fuck has that movie to do with the game? Why he didn't use the totally different storyline? And I said, yeah, because I thought it's better to make the movie based on the new storyline, what comes out maybe parallel to the movie. 
when uh -huh. the, the game comes out parallel with the movie. Yeah, that they didn't play it out this way. And uh, <laughs> Dude. So, yeah, so it's like some bad luck was was also there, you know, where you had like this kind of thing. And then I was with IDOS, I was on, uh, I almost got Hitman when uh oh when man you would you would make a good hitman flick i'll yeah, give you that, no, that would have been awesome. Day, right? yeah and uh so that was for me a little uh um disappointing because i bought fear effect from idos no wow. shit dude you I would make a good that. one that's awesome yeah so but they they promised me that i get hitman if vin diesel doesn't make the movie and then Vin Diesel doesn't didn't get the movie, and then Vin uh, Diesel is Hitman. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> they sold the property to uh, a French company. What then did Hitman? Was it Timothy Elephant? Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. So they they did the movie with him, and they didn't give me the rights. And then I let the the option I had on Fear Effect expire. You know because I felt like. They will screw me over also on fear effect that they mm -hmm. also don't help the movie, they don't promote the movie, the Batmouth movie, whatever. So right. I felt like I'm not doing it, I'm not doing an, an IDOS movie. And at that point, I, I was already able to, to get Far Cry and Blood Rain. Um, yeah, and uh, I, I mean, I have really so my, my relationships with the, uh, with the video game based. Uh, makers but look at look at uh world of warcraft listen uh -huh. how they there was in the internet whatever like ball is doing world of warcraft then they gave a flip everybody flipped completely out and world of warcraft said never ever will ball do the world of warcraft world of warcraft is the best blah 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 <laughs> into the ground but then look finally the movie they did you know i mean they spent 200 million dollars and i think uh, uh, it's total shit I don't. I don't care about any character in the movie. I. Uh, I. I mean, in comparison, Hitman was the way better movie as World of Warcraft. You know, or Silent Hill was a good movie. I, 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 the first Silent Hill, I yes. really liked. I think it was a good video game based movie, mm -hmm. right? So, but World of Warcraft was totally crap. The same like with Assassin's Creed. I hated it. You know. I never even so, saw that one. No, but, but, but I mean, but, but it's, it's an embarrassment. And then the company, blah, 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 like they had the big mouths about it, but then they did completely crap on their own uh, and spent like four times more money as like in the name of the king cost, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I felt that is, that is ridiculous. So uh, yeah. you can say the only company I really had a very good relationship to making, making the movies was uh, of course postal like running i was with i was about to ask you about your relationship yes. with running with scissors and postal because i think of all your video game adaptations that is easily my favorite one <laughs> and i watch it over and over again so please yeah. continue i love that game yeah you know uh, uh no vince dizzy and, and uh, so they they were on set too they wrote their own script in the beginning, and I said, no, 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 no. I want to write this, the only video games movie I actually want to write myself, because I had so many ideas to make it this ridiculous overdrive comedy in the <laughs> end, as what I did, because I was tired of just 
uh, shootouts, right? So, and, right. and I, I felt Postal is so ridiculous. You can't do only comedy with this. I mean, you know, a cat as a silencer or whatever. I mean, <laughs> we want to shoot it. want to do this real, like uh, a series would be a big mistake. So, um, no, with them, I, I, I still have a great relationship. We still want to do Postal too, but it's, it's so tough uh, because Postal was not a real small movie. Right, so look at the actors, look at the action. So, uh, and I always felt, why I don't have a fan at Netflix or Apple? You know, like why, why, why nobody of them who makes decision actually watches Postal? If you watch the Postal movie now, you would say that movie didn't age today. That is still, 12 years later, this most ridiculous comedy shot in, uh, in the United States for 20 years. It, it, you know, it, and that is what a lot of companies want to be, but they didn't have the guts to do it. And, and, and so Postal 2 would do for Netflix crazy numbers. Because if, if you agree. see how many people over time watch Postal, uh, millions and millions of people watched it, right? So, and they would all watch Postal 2, but you need 10, 15 million dollars. You have to do it for real. You cannot have a super cheap, uh, like, like not well made postal two, then it doesn't it doesn't work, you know. And I've wrote already like big, like various scenes of postal two, and uh, one scene is for example, so it's in a uh, in a drone where like people flying drones and pulverizing people in Afghanistan, basically, right? So and then they have the whole time because they did a new contract with Microsoft today and Google that they have pop ups. So the moment, the moment they actually want to shoot something, like the barbecue advertising uh, up, <laughs> the, the, the last things, you know, when you have like, but think about that, the absurdity of that situation of what you can show in that one scene, if you turn a scene around like this, you know, you have this kind of high tech war, but at the same time, we all know the people, they basically flying the drones are video gamers, you know, like they turned mm -hmm. into like, operative military people later, but they started with playing video games like in tournaments, <laughs> like crazy. And then they're totally not really interested yeah. in who they're killing, but uh, they're totally interested in the last search items that whatever, like they get more skins for Fortnite. If they react now, they have to put the credit card in. <laughs> you know? And then like the terrorists are totally getting away and they're pulverizing like a school. So, uh, but that kind of scenes, you need to make good. Like you, you, you're similar to the Postal One when you had the September 11 pilots, you know, like the, you, mm -hmm. you need a, one, a of the, one of the best introductions to any movie ever. Just wanted to throw that out there. Makes <laughs> like, me crack up every time. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, uh, and all the actors were so good. You know, who, we had like from Bern Troyer, we, we had so many like, uh, like Dave Foley, we had uh, J.K. Simmons who won an Oscar later, you know, like, like so we had so many famous actors in, in Postal and they were all uh, into it. And I know if, if you hire the right, right like uh, uh, casting agency, uh, a lot of famous actors, they want to go edgy. Yeah. They would love to play in a movie like Postal 2, you know. So, and that is the thing, it, it's like, uh, and of course, Osama bin Laden survived. So he, he uh, you know, he would totally, he never, so he's watching basically live when that villa in Islamabad gets like uh, a storm, whatever. And he said, oh, my twin brother, the poor guy. Uh, 
like, totally harmless guy, like sitting, sitting at home and getting like shot by the Navy SEALs and thrown all alive. You remember they throwed him out in the ocean? Mm -hmm. Like that was the official story. We throw mm -hmm. the body in the ocean. What is the most absurd thing I actually ever heard in the, that, that is satire poor. Like you hunt something down, you hunt somebody down for 20 years and then without any identification, you say, oh, we just threw them out of the helicopter. I think in the movie, he has to basically fall out of the helicopter like an accident. You know, you know <laughs> zip the body back up and he's just slipping out of the body back and then like, oops, you know, <laughs> like, and then like, okay. Who tells us when we're landing back at the base? So, uh, but, but stuff like this, uh, it would be amazing. You know, it, it, I just did a, I have that podcast, right? The, not a podcast, but the Uber Ball Raw that my YouTube videos I'm doing. And, uh -huh. you know, I have a problem with, with uh, Saturday Night Live. I, I just don't think it's funny. So it, it's, it's not, like, you, know, it's, you know, it's like, it's great actors and everybody watches it, but they don't do real critique. They don't do real satire. They just act like Trump or they act like Biden or Jim Carrey or whatever. Yes, he looks like Biden there. It's a, you know, it's good acting, but it's not funny. It's, it's like funny is if you add things on, if you make things way more ridiculous as they are, even in real life. I mean, it's not so easy with Trump, but it, it's doable, you know? And, and uh, I, I think that is comedy, where you go so much far up, where you have to uh, like really get a bigger horizon uh, into the audience also, like just skip everything you ever saw, now watch this, you know? Mm -hmm. So that, that is what I love uh, 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 to do. And uh, of course it's shocking for some people, but I hear only positive things from Paul. Wherever I go, everybody said, oh my God, I love that movie. <laughs> you, you, uh, you toss around a video. I'm sorry, Jason, go ahead. Oh, no, nah, this just, uh, you brought up actors wanting to be edgy earlier. And uh, not too long ago, I was listening to your commentary for Assault on Wall Street, and you told the story of how Dominic Purcell got involved with the movie. And I was wondering if you could relay that for our listeners, because that's very interesting. Uh, no, what I said, oh my God, I forgot it already. No, he lost a lot of money, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, he, he lost uh, basically all his money uh, in real estate investments and got completely screwed over with the 2008 balloon uh, uh, mm. exploding. So that Man. because people told him, if you buy real estate in California, it only grows, right? So, but he was so exposed to bank debt that they all foreclosed on all the real estate. And so all his money, his down payments were gone and the real estate was gone. So he really felt, yes, we should shoot the bankers uh, for it, what they did, <laughs> you know? So, and I mean, it's, you know, like the, the, the thing what is so uh, um, similar to the massive, massive uh, bailouts in, uh, with the coronavirus now, is the most money still got again to the big, big, big companies. And the individual restaurant is still waiting uh, of like, wherever, where, where's our rent relief check or something, you know? And, and, that, that, is, and that is always the same. It's like the, the too big to fail, you know? And that is the thing why they will not let 
Disney going bankrupt or something, you know, if they never can open the parks again, never have cruise ships again, Disney is in big, big shit, basically, <laughs> right? But, but they will get endless credit. And, and, uh, uh, and, and that is the thing, but the banks the same, because what happened with the banks now, why they got a lot of money again, is a lot of people couldn't pay their debt. They, they lost their job, so now they cannot pay the debt. So what happens then is the government gives the bank free money, so the bank still has enough money, but they still don't let you go out of your debt. You know, right. and that was the thing what in the beginning, uh, where a lot of more like left-wing people say, we need helicopter money. Means you give the people the money and they pay the debt, they pay the bank, they pay their credit cards. So they don't owe money anymore to them. But that of course never happened. So what, what happened was like everybody got a sub, how much you got the thousand bucks, everybody? or $1,200. Yeah, 1200. I mean, what a joke for the last seven months of, of disaster basically. And then uh, the banks got 500 billion bucks and they are fine. The stock market stays up, you know, that the big investors are happy that their stocks never fell down. And uh, the, as we saw during the Corona crisis, people like Elon Musk went from 40 billion to 60 billion and stuff like this. So, and now uh, you still owe to the bank all your debt and they will still foreclose on you as you know, so they will evict you, they will foreclose on you. And, and that is the, the, the unbelievable uh, injustice. And that is why I did the on Wall Street, right? A lot of my movies are done uh, to show a total injustice. And, mm -hmm. and with, with, you know, and with Rampage, I felt like I want to be the bad guy. I want to just have a, hear a different kind of, like Dominic Purcell was abused, the family, the wife dies. So he goes for a Rampage. But Bill Williamson it is an ice cold analytic person. And, but I still think everything he says in Rampage is the truth. I mean, everything what he says is exactly what it is. And, and that makes Rampage, I think, so good because it's very disturbing to be in a way attached or on the side of a terrorist, of a mass murderer, you know? Mm -hmm. and, 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 but that I think brings the fascination in, 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 that, kind of, uh, in that kind of film and uh, no, I, I, uh, I had a discussion last week was a, a German um, writer for a newspaper. And he said during Corona, he watched all my movies, all 32 of my movies. And, uh, uh, and he said, you're completely the most wrong judge director in the history. I agree. Like, I, yeah. I definitely I agree. I wait, I wait for his I article. It's supposed to come that. next week. Uh, I will see if it comes. I hope it comes. But but he, he was on the phone because I first saw it, he's just joking. You know, like I felt like, <laughs> oh, you know what? The press wrote so much shit about me. So that it's like, okay, good for you. But I mean, and then you write a two, two lines article. But, I, I, but he already said, like, he, he felt Rampage is one of the most important films uh, done in the last 20 years. And he, he sees it as one long film. It's not like part one, part two, part three. It's like basically one long film. Uh, um, and uh, he said it, it, for him that that movie was extremely important, he said, for himself uh, watching it. 
Um, and it really did something in him because it shows how fucked up the world is we're living in, basically, in a different way as the classical, you have a good guy and you're connected to the good guy and he fights the bad guy who catches mm -hmm. the Una Bombo or whatsoever, right? So, and I basically showed the Una Bombo, you know, the, the, but, but uh, only him and not the FBI, you know, like I, uh, right. only the side plots. Uh, no, yeah, but uh, hopefully the article uh, comes out. It could help me in Germany uh, because it's a big newspaper in Germany. So we, 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 will, we will see. I've heard you. You're rattling off. Are you a big gamer, like a video gamer? Because you have rattled off Fear Effect, In the Name of the King, you said World of Warcraft, you just spit out Silent Hill, Hitman, and stuff. So are you a big gamer at all? No, no. My kids, yeah. You know, because uh, I was just curious with you spitting these names out. What uh, what what video game? If you could direct one, what video game movie would you make? Yeah, that is a big uh, problem, right? So if you make the Fortnite movie, you can only lose. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you You're right. Win, how you want to win that game, right? So it's like everybody will will trash you into the ground. Uh, especially people playing like if I don't stop my older son he would play 10 hours a day and the, the problem is of course with the corona shutdown and right. the virtual school uh, it's catastrophic mm -hmm. I mean what do you want to do right so uh, nobody plays soccer together anymore like you have a lot of things now it's a little better but look at the numbers. Now comes the winter and everybody, uh, no, more and more Corona cases coming. And uh, in Toronto, all the restaurants are closed again. So, you know, you have like everywhere closing things again. And what you want to do with the kids, they will play video games. As we played Lego when we were small, they play now video games. And uh, so I would, of course, want to do that. The only thing I really would be eager to do would be Grand Theft Auto. Oh my God, mm. I would pay to see that. Holy shit, yeah. that would be great. <laughs> you know, because it fits so good into like the movies I actually did and enjoyed. Uh -huh. You can do a Rampage meets Postal uh, meets Grand, Grand Theft Auto because Grand Theft Auto has great humor, uh, has, has uh, strange characters. You, you, you could totally do something very cynical, uh, very violent, but at the same time, you have a lot of humor in it too. And uh, that would be great. But as the, I think they don't want to sell the rights, right? So I, I heard they don't, they're not interested in the movie. Right. And it would be good. Maybe, maybe they're clever that there is no movie. I think maybe that you ought to tag team because you could get Michael Mann because he's really good at making long drawn out boring drama but then get you to do the action sequences. So like you and Michael Mann get together and let Michael Mann write his long, boring ass drama, like his eight hour Scarface. But then you come along and add the action in the shootout and let both of y'all together make Grand Theft Auto. I would watch the shit out of that. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Uh, Quentin Tarantino, endless talk, and then I just kill everybody off. So- uh... <laughs> Damn, see, pitch that. And you have a movie. I mean, <laughs> shit. <laughs> uh, Angelique, I think he's got a I think you have a question for him. Yes. 
Yeah, please I do, go ahead. I do. Um, Uva. So I'm uh, the fiendish foodie here uh, at Monsters Madison Magic, and I ask every guest, uh, "What's your favorite movie snack? You know, what do you just sit down and you want to, you know, something to eat while you watch a good movie?" <laughs> that depends how much time I have. So at home or in the movie theater? In the movie theater, I eat, of course, popcorn and ice, uh, ice cream corn fact, right? So, I mean, there's nothing else, basically. I'm not the nacho guy. I hate the, the, the it's even louder as popcorn. So, uh, <laughs> you know, but, but at, at, at home, exactly what I have here, I have a glass and I have some uh, cheese. What is it like? <laughs> and so on. Yeah, I, I like that. It's like, it, it's, in the end of the day, it's, it, uh, it's like a fade out, you enjoy something to watch. And uh, yeah, but, but it's, you know, it's like getting older also. It's this kind of, uh, I'm, for example, a few weeks ago, I was zapping around and then I saw, it was very in the beginning, like 10 minutes in, uh, The Deer Hunter, mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, what a masterpiece. I watched that whole film till 2 a.m. I couldn't stop watching it and it's so slow. I mean, a movie like this today would never get shot again, right? So right. They would, like, I would say, like, are you insane? Before you're in the Vietnam War, it's an hour in. You know, like, everybody would say, like, cut that down to five minutes or we're out. Uh, and, and, uh, but the reason why it's so powerful is because you go through that first hour. You see Very them true. working in a shitty coal mining town somewhere. You know, like, it's, it's basically... Uh, you have the feeling they're very good friends. You have the feeling that the, the, the community is a real community, what completely got lost in today's time. You know, it's this kind of like, I had a big discussion with, with my wife, she's from Canada, recently about it. And she grew up very uh, in the church, basically, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I don't believe in anything. So, but she said, but the, the thing what got lost with the church losing basically ground is community. You just met people and you had a good time together also. It was not all like uh, whatever, we are super believers in, in everything, but it was also this kind of like, you know where to go Sundays and after you met some families, you, and that is all lost now. And instead we have zombies, kids playing video games and think they have the best friends even if they never saw them before and i agree that is very dangerous like this kind of uh, having contact mostly through internet or uh, uh, social media and stuff like this is very dangerous and it made a lot of uh, uh, yeah bad things you know like 40 years ago people like kardashians or paris hilton would be just nobody you know, like right. nobody give a fuck because they, they would never gain it because they are stupid, right? So they're stupid idiots and they basically would never gain any traction on anything because they have no talent. They cannot do anything besides looking good. And then came Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and all that stuff. And that made it easier for them to, to succeed. And uh, uh, that is the thing where... Um, where I'm always like, um, I think also in, in, in the films, I'm fact-driven. And if somebody comes with a good argument, of course, I can say a lot of Catholic priests, they rape children, 
we had all the, the churches like basically enslaving uh, Latin America, like the, you know, like all the, the priests that they took over the country. So there is a, it's a huge crime history in, in church, but we shouldn't forget also that they built a lot of schools, a lot of, like a lot of universities, a lot of uh, 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 even science, they paid the church. They're not always out to destroy science. Here in Mainz, where I live in Germany, like the two big hospitals are all from the church and they are top notch, you know, mm -hmm. like, so, uh, so that is the same. So, and I, I try to see uh, like just the facts and it's definitely uh, the church did also a lot, a lot of good things and not only bad things. And I think uh, personal contact is still the most important thing for, for human development. Right. Yeah, I agree. You're you're absolutely mm -hmm. correct. Yeah, hit him up, Jason. Oh, okay. Didn't know if you were gonna go with a question, but uh, sorry, <laughs> you're cool. But did do you still keep in touch with Brendan Fletcher at all? Yeah, from time to time we we email. He was uh, um, when I had that restaurant in Vancouver. He was there twice, um, so I ate with him. And um, yeah, but actors are actors, right? They're like going to the next uh, customer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, so that's the same. And if, if they think I don't have a job for them, they're not really following up. Dominic Purcell, the same. Jason Stassen. When, they, when you finish the movie, then you stay a little in contact and then it dissolves. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, and I, I never had really uh, uh, actors under my like best friends. You know, I was friendly with them, I worked with them, I had contacts to them, but, it, they, but I cannot say that one of my friends or old friends, whatever, is, is an actor, you know. So uh, the, the two people I stay always in contact with and have contact is Dan Clark, he's the line producer of a lot of my movies, um, Tom Reds, Everything Rampage, and uh, he did Wonder with Julia Roberts, the interview with Seth Rogen, so he did a lot, a lot of major movies. We always walk the dogs together when we were in Vancouver and he lives part-time in Paris. And then when he's in Paris, he drives over here five hours because my, the city where I live is by Frankfurt. And um, so it's five hours to drive to Paris. And then, but right now because of Corona, he cannot travel. And Jonathan Shaw, who's doing all the post-production for my films, he's a good friend for all that years. Uh, and we always uh, phone or WhatsApp now where I'm, where I'm here. Um, that are the only like two film guys I'm very good uh, friends with basically, right? Cool, cool. Um, you worked with Edward Furlong in Stoic and Darfur. What was it like to work with him? Well, I like Edward. Like, so I, I, I think he is uh, a great actor. It's too bad that drugs destroyed in a way his life. I hope he's clean now. Um, on, he was in the Southern Wall Street also. Yes, that's right. He was a police officer. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I, I gave him uh, various jobs also because A, he's a great actor and he totally can improv, like in Stoic. Uh, I mean, it was amazing from all four actors what they pulled off there uh, in the jail cell. And, um, and, and, uh, but he's also an extremely nice person like, uh, you know, it's just a, the problem I think from a lot of that child stars is they cannot handle it. 
and right. and they they then they they lose it you know when i uh just yesterday i did a video it's not out now but i read a big article about britney spears that she basically cannot make any decision anymore there are like attorneys and psychologists and another guy whatever like basically 700k a year are gone for people they dominate her make her do what they want and she makes money for them it's a catastrophic situation i felt so sad for her when i read the article that and the, her own attorney in court said she's like a brain dead zombie so she cannot be in court being questioned but that sounds for me like they locked her up somewhere to keep the money flowing little what michael jackson had in the end you know with all that mm -hmm. uh, crazy people and um I think that, that a lot of the child stars, they're getting mishandled by the parents first and they're getting, uh, the parents are not out there maybe in, when money really comes in, in their interest. Uh, it's their interest. They get all the money. And so many like Joel Haley, Austin and Kevin, uh, the, the Kevin Home Alone, like the, what, uh, what is this? Cole yeah, exactly, right? So you have so many, uh, Drew Barrymore was badly, now she, I think she recovered to a normal life, but uh, so many examples, and that is, it's horrible. Mm -hmm. So it, it's also one of the things, when, when I really worked uh, my ass off film by film, and that was one of the reasons Hollywood never got me. You know, it was this kind of like, I had meetings with some attorneys and, and, uh, and uh, agents and managers there like 15, 16 years ago, when I was kind of like, oh, ball, uh, he makes all the video game based movies, whatever. They all wanted to talk to me, right? But they saw that they cannot like change me mm -hmm. or infiltrate me or that I do what they tell me, right? So they saw that right away and I never got an agent, never got a manager because I felt like uh, that is just stupid. It's, it, you know, like I don't need other people deciding for me what I want to do. I said, I know what I want to do, but, uh, uh, and I definitely don't want to give you 10% of whatever I make. So, uh, so I was never really liked uh, in Hollywood, I think, because they also felt like uh, they cannot like suck me in and and chew me through and always the feeling like the other two german big directors like roland emmerich and wolfgang petersen they lost their identity completely in hollywood mm -hmm. and they they got total bullshitters in a way where where i mean that's both was great from wolfgang petersen but mm -hmm. when you see all these hollywood movies they're all like the, he never made a personal movie he never did what I did with the four Assault of Wall Street Rampage story. He never did this kind of movies. He tried just to be a player in the CGI, uh, uh, you know, Air Force One or whatever. And, and they both turned into so super patriotic. They're even more patriotic as any American director uh, that it was really for me like, I, I hated that. I, I, I felt like it's not that they all made bad movies, like the uh, Independence Day was good. I liked The Patriot with Mel Gibson. So they both did solid and good movies. In the Line of Fire was great. 
not about this, but if you are like a, like a, a, a filmmaker who really wants to tell also some stories what has to do with yourself, I think that is what they completely lost there. And what was different uh, in, in when they did some German stuff before. Very true. Jason, you got any more? Uh, not really. I just, uh, just tell the people where they can find you, Uva. I think we've kept you long enough. Uh, website, social media, anything like that, go ahead, plug it. Sell us something. Oh. Where do you want us to go to buy it? <laughs> no, it's only, I, I do some, be a good friend of mine, Gary Otto, uh, in Florida. He, he works for, in the Universal Theme Park, but he's doing my Uva Ball Raw, uh, uh, like the videos, they're on YouTube. And you can you can watch them where I basically commentary the political landscape or whatever is in my mind, if it's Britney Spears or the coronavirus, whatever you know. So there are random random videos, and he cuts them nicely together with some footage. And uh, then I'm uh, I'm of course on Facebook. Uh, I'm the the Uwe Ball with Bush and Bin Laden from Postal. There are a lot of fake overballs and whatever, but uh, I don't do anything else. I'm not on Twitter or Instagram or stuff like this. Um, yeah, and then I would say watch out for for uh, Deutschland im Winter. And uh, whoever is listening to this and works at Apple, just get me 10 million bucks and do postal too. <laughs> <laughs> Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Now, before, before we log off completely, Uva, uh, you can tell me to go fuck myself if you'd, if you'd like, but would you please give us a, you're listening to Monsters, Madness, and Magic. This is Uva Bowl. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so, you listen to, uh, what is it, Monster? Madness? Mo monsters, no? Monsters, Madness, and Magic. Okay. So, yes, Uva Ball. You listen to Monster, Madness, and Magic. Okay. I, I switch it up. So, Monster, Madness, and Magic, right? So, here's Overball. You listen to Monster, Madness, and Magic. And I tell you, fuck yourself. <laughs> 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 <laughs>